From the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne, this is The Yarn. I'm Clancy Balin. What's the cost of a perfect body? For some young Australian men, it could be lifelong liver damage. Doctors are warning that a lack of regulation over popular bodybuilding supplements could pose serious health risks. Caught in a tug-of-war between self-esteem and body image issues, an alarming number of adolescent boys across the country are consuming these workout supplements. But many of them haven't been tested on teenage bodies, and no one knows the true extent of what the damage may be. This week on The Yarn, Hulk Pressure Part 1, Pills and Powders. Harry Sekulich investigates supplements, male body image, and the hidden toll this is taking on young men. Just a heads up, the following story contains discussions around body image struggles and eating disorders, so please take care while listening. As someone studying and working full-time in their early 20s, I wanted to join a gym for some balance. I was enjoying it until one day I noticed an ad popped up on social media recommending muscle building supplements for me. I don't think I had ever typed the words protein powder into my keyboard before. Hmm. Before long, my Instagram feed became choked up with ads for exercise gear, clothing, and most commonly, supplements. The men in these ads all had similar physiques hulking torsos, huge arms, and thighs of steel. They looked like the superhumans you only really see in movies. I started to think, was my reason for going to the gym for some balance wrong? Should I be bulking up instead? Next thing I knew, I was in a service station in a very small town in country Victoria and noticed there were protein powders right next to the bags of chips. Supplements are everywhere, I thought. There are supermarket aisles and whole stores filled with them. How had I never noticed this before? I wanted to know more. Who is using these supplements? Kind of go in like a rabbit hole of all these different types of supplements that give you, you know, more muscle, more lean. How much are supplements worth in Australia? It's a billion dollar industry. Is anyone making sure they are safe? Even where there's money to be made and where there's lax regulation, you're always going to get the cowboys going too far. And are there any dangers in marketing supplements towards young men like myself? Like that's why boys have self-esteem issues. I'm Harry Sekulich and I'm diving into the murky world of muscle building supplements. This is The Hulk Pressure. Part one, pills and powders. All right. Uh, so what do we have here, Ben? All right, so we got my protein powder. Uh, it's a vital strength professional muscle one. It's uh, 720 grams in it, uh, 34 grams of protein. Okay. And so what I'll do is I usually put about this is Ben Smurt, a 25-year-old recent graduate from RMIT University in Victoria, and he's showing me his morning and evening supplements routine in his kitchen at his terrace share house in Melbourne's inner north. He's showing me a powder he uses, containing around six boiled eggs worth of protein. It's one of thousands of supplements available, claiming to help build muscle through powdered, capsule or liquid ingredients, aimed at supplementing or substituting something in a person's diet, 
normally protein, magnesium or iron. When Ben was in his senior years of high school, muscle building supplements were all the rage among his friends. Ben, tell me, how did um, you first discover supplements and how old were you? Uh, so I would have been about 16, 17, around that age, where you're going into year 12 at high school. And just through friends that have family that have been gymming for quite a while and took the gym really seriously. And then, you know, you start looking into, you know, how do you start putting on muscle? And then they give you the um, hints of what supplements to take. And well, I guess the... Um, the idea was that schoolies is coming up and, you know, you want to be there to look good for all the girls and stuff and everything. And then, obviously, my friends, family, like brothers and stuff who'd been massive gym heads are all, like, buffers, really buff, and you kind of want to imitate that. Once Ben finished high school, his jam-packed timetable became filled with other things. When I went to, like, uni and stuff, it was more so... You know, you're really, like, going to gym, like, once a day or, like, twice a day for six days a week and you're really going hard at it and, um, you know, your friends might invite you out somewhere but you'd be like, no, I can't because, you know, I want to go to the gym and stuff. And From there, Ben devoted himself to the gym. Day after day, he made a ritual out of lifting weights, taking supplements and pushing his body to the limit. Until one day, something changed. And I was at the gym earlier this year and yeah, I just started feeling really faint during the middle of like a, a session. I knew it wasn't the weights, it was actually something else and so it was things. So I had to go into the bathroom and I just vomited in the in the toilet and yeah, I realised, hey, this is not the <laughs> pre-workout I should be taking. Because I think that was the second time I took it. First time I just thought, oh yeah, it's a new thing. Like maybe my body just needs to adjust. But then, yeah, the second time, I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that again. Ever since that unpleasantness, Ben tells me he's changed the strength of the supplements he uses. But as I know from seeing them in service stations out in the country to supermarket aisles, there are many types of supplements and just about anyone can get their hands on them and make a similar error of judgment, including me. I went along to my local Coles. So in the same aisle that you'll find spinach and garlic bread, you'll also find whey protein and custard and all these other different protein powders that just fill the shelves head to toe. And there's just so many of them and they're all in like powdered forms or bars or there's just so many. There's heaps of them and they just extend for ages as well. They're just everywhere. I spoke with Jackson Coop, who is a former personal trainer from Sydney. He tells me about his time moving around different gyms and how he noticed there were more supplement brands featured behind the counter by the time he left compared to when he had started out three years prior. They'll sell you proteins, they'll sell you mass gainers. And then, you know, once you get to that size, oh, if you're going to do a shred, here's our fat burner or here's our blah, blah, blah which is all just, you know, complete nuts. So they, they, just, they just have product on product that mm. it's just going to take you back and forth. And for the most part, he believes it's all smoke and mirrors. A lot of these supplements 
effect as well. Mm. So yes, they will contain things that may help your body, but the placebo effect is going to be a heavy driver of that. After speaking with Jackson and noticing supplements on the supermarket shelves, I needed to get to the bottom of why I felt uneasy about supplements cropping up all over the place. Many people were telling me supplements are harmless, mostly, and that you can find something wrong with any food product or medicine if you look hard enough. The Australian Institute of Sport lists certain muscle-building supplements as quite beneficial, although strictly banned in sporting codes. Another study from the European University of Madrid shows some caffeine pills have proven to help build muscle mass. A lot of people were telling me most supplements aren't dangerous. Some have called them a waste of money, sure, and others say they are placebo, as Jackson mentioned. For a while, I felt like I was sounding an alarm when there wasn't a fire. Then, I trawled through some studies and found my uneasy feelings started making sense. Dr Zaliega, Associate Professor in the Institute of Health and Sport at Victoria University. Dr Yeager is the lead author of one of those recent studies. She and some other researchers visited an all-boys private school last year and found half of the boys aged 14 to 16 admitted to using some form of muscle-building supplement, and two-thirds said they intended to use them if they hadn't already. Most of those supplements and all of the different substances that people use for that effect haven't actually been tested on adolescents in particular. So I'm really worried about boys in their teens using them because they're in a stage of their life when their testosterone production is increasing and then they're also using things that might replicate and become testosterone in the body and I think that's really concerning. We really have no idea what's, what will happen if boys do that. Why the uncertainty? Why, uh, why is there these doubts as to what is actually contained in some of these batches of supplements? So in the majority of cases, because certain ingredients are banned, um, some producers won't list them on the label uh, because they're not allowed um, in certain countries or because they're not allowed in, in some sporting codes. There's a high proportion of supplements that are actually in inverted commas like adulterated. <laughs> I think that's really worrying because even the things that are on the ingredient list worry me so then um, the things that aren't listed are sort of even worse. I needed to get more of an idea as to how popular supplements are among younger men and whether they were taking any of the ingredients Dr Yeager is concerned about. Brady Puero runs his own fitness studio in Adelaide and like Jackson he used to move around town as a personal trainer. He starts telling me about a relatively new supplement gaining popularity. So, selective androgen receptor modulators is the acronym. Quite for a it. mouthful. <laughs> Quite a mouthful. <laughs> Let's stick to Psalms for the rest of this. Yeah. <laughs> dive into. Um, I do know that they can alter like your your sort of hormones and what's happening inside your body more than anything else. And how how would you how popular would you say Psalms are amongst young men? Just kind of like a rough estimate. Uh, tough to say. Probably between thirty and fifty percent. Nearly half. That doesn't just sound like a rare few asking about a fairly experimental drug. I've come across online forums discussing Psalms, 
and some of the big supporters of supplements in the industry have actually cautioned against it. Dr Ken Liu is a transplant specialist at Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney. He was part of a recent study which found dietary supplements claiming to boost weight loss or muscle growth is causing more severe liver injuries, with some people even needing liver transplants. A substance that's harmful, harmless to someone else ends up being harmful to them and causing severe liver inflammation. So they often present to hospital um, jaundice, so yellow eyes, yellow skin, dark urine, um, after taking something. At the real severe end, they end up in liver failure and needing a liver transplant or dying. Demographically, there's males are the ones that tend to um, buy over-the-counter bodybuilding supplements or the, um, the anabolic steroids. He says most patients presenting at hospital with liver problems after taking muscle-building supplements are completely caught off guard. When you go out to buy a car, for example, you do your research... And I'm not sure that the same scrutiny happens when you go, as you say, to the supermarket or to the pharmacy to buy these drugs. A lot of these people that I see, they, they come um, and it's a complete surprise to them that, that these things can cause them liver injury. And because they, they think, oh, it's, it's, it's marketed and it's, surely it's been tested, etc. Dr. Leo's comments don't fill me with much confidence. If supplements are claiming things that don't happen in your body and people are unaware of the bad ingredients which they may contain, surely that's something to crack down on. The Therapeutic Goods Administration, or you'll hear it be referred to as the TGA, launched a review of sports supplements a few years ago. This is the main body regulating medicines in Australia, and it's important to keep that in mind. A spokesperson for the TGA says Health Minister Greg Hunt convened the review after a Perth mother and bodybuilder who had a metabolic disorder died after taking high-protein supplements. It wasn't until a year later that the government made its first move and banned pure caffeine from the shelves after the death of a young man in the Blue Mountains. Nigel and Dawn Foote don't want anyone else to make the same mistake as their son, Lachlan. He was one day off his 22nd birthday when he accidentally overdosed on caffeine and died. After an 18-month review, the TGA announced some sports supplements would be regulated as a therapeutic good, but this won't come into effect until November 2023. Honorary Associate Professor at Bond University, Dr Ken Harvey, has been advocating for more stringent regulation of supplements for many years. As he explains, there was a big loophole in the new rules. It only applied to supplements that were in the form of tablets, capsules or pills. So the great sort of weakness in this is that supplements formulated as powders, and of course many are in the sports field, uh, escaped this. So supplement companies have another two years to clean up their act, and powders slipped through the cracks because they're still considered foods, not medicines. So it's not the TGA's problem. To me, it sounds like someone saying they are concerned about cigarettes, but not loose tobacco. I asked Dr Harvey why this might have happened. And where there's money to be made and where there's lax regulation, you're always going to get the cowboys going too far. The supplement and vitamin industry is worth around $2 billion in Australia, according to the latest ABS data. 
For a sense of scale, online men's clothing is worth roughly half that. So this means the TGA is coming up against eye-watering sums of money. The TGA has little um, appetite for increasing its uh, regulatory burden, <laughs> and I think that was why they let these go. Um, but it is a major, a major loophole. The regulators tend to come in late and soft. The TGA says it acts upon reports of non-compliance from external sources. But in Dr Zali Yeager's words... The regulatory system is pretty terrible in terms of um, being just relying on people to make complaints or relying on deaths, really. And if there's a number of people that start dying from using things like green tea extract to to try and burn fat, then that will become something that uh, might get investigated. But otherwise, there's no need for producers to actually confirm that what they're putting on the shelves is safe and that it does the things that they're trying to say it does on the on the packet. What was stopping the government from going even further with its reforms? The proposal to the rule changes copped some huge pushback. In 2019, a group of supplement industry leaders launched the Save Aussie Supplements campaign as the TGA announced its review of the sector. This video is going out to all my subscribers from the land down under. Your government has completely declared war on sports supplements as an industry, and they are... The campaign stressed jobs would be lost. Businesses would suffer. It was big government going too far. Victorian libertarian politician David Limbrick took particular interest in the matter and raised it in state parliament. I would like to draw the minister's attention to a situation that is not of the Victorian government's making, but could have a devastating impact on hundreds of small businesses in our state. Mr Limbrick has declined to comment any further. Once the TGA announced they were engaging with industry leaders, the Save Aussie Supplements campaign proclaimed victory, saying the government was committed to maintaining a safe and strong industry. So the rules meant the government had stepped back and the industry was no longer under siege. And lead to hundreds of Victorians losing their jobs. What I'm piecing together is that supplements have a big presence in Australia. We know about the health risks now. More researchers are calling for a rigorous crackdown on industry safety standards, which they say is yet to come. Meanwhile, more and more young men are using supplements at younger ages than expected. But I haven't really pinned down why. In the next episode, I'll be looking at whether young men are being more influenced by an ideal of muscle mass in more ways than expected. They told me in emergency that I had a few more days to live, most likely. And why do young men feel pressured into taking supplements in the first place? 95% of the people taking these supplements are just people that want to look better. I, I believe that there's issues deeper than that. This is the ideal body, have it or you lose kind of thing. That's part two of the Hulk pressure, men and mirrors. That story was by Harry Sekulich. Next week, Hulk Pressure Part 2, Men and Mirrors. Our executive producers for this episode are Louisa Lim and Liam Cochran. The Yarn is produced at the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne. If you like the show and you want to support us, 
please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit of support helps us get the show out there. See you next week.